Hey guys, welcome back to Feedback Loop. I am Joey. And I'm Jeremy. And this week, we're, we done it, man. We're on, we did it. <laughs> we're on album number four out of my uh, four album journey through the Elephant Six, ending with Neutral Milk Hotels in the Aeroplane Over the Sea. Uh, man. A song, or, or an album that's very near and dear to me. Yeah, why why is it near and dear to you? you you've kind of you kind of teased this a little bit uh, a week or two ago that this this is it has some personal power within you. Uh, what 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 happened with this album, or what was what was happening when you found this album? What was happening when I found this album? It actually was fairly recent in the grand scheme of things. I think it was maybe like five ish years ago. Okay. But it was it was just a transitional period in my life where sure. uh, I was about to have a daughter, and I had actually heard some of this album before then, but I hadn't really given it a fair chance until that time, and it just hit me. There's a specific song in this album that just connected with another transitional period in my life pretty okay. deeply, and it kind of just it all just hit me. So interesting. Yeah. We we can talk about that when we get there. I have no idea from what I know of this album, which track that would be. So it'll be fun to talk about when yeah. we get there, I guess. Yeah, I'll give you a heads up, and it's not what the song is technically actually about. It's, it's just, just the way that... out of it. Yeah, it's the way that the first time I listened to the song, it connected with me in that way. I feel that. I feel that a lot. Uh, a lot on this album, specifically. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting album, uh, and, mm-hmm. and it has an interesting album cover as well. Which yeah. I'm not, I'm not fully sure I can I can do it justice, but it, it looks like some old painting, maybe maybe propagandastic painting. It, it kind of maybe looks like some propaganda of some sort. Uh, but there's a woman who appears to be on a boat or on a, a pier somewhere. She's sitting on something wooden uh, over some water. Mm. There there's a little boy beside her. There are a couple people in the background. There's a boat in the background, uh, but this lady, her head, uh, I can't tell. It looks like a tambourine, but it I, also kind of looks like it's a sandwich. Yeah, so, I was always stuck between a melon and a tambourine, like a slice of cantaloupe or something. Yeah, that's uh, that could but, be as well. I'm going to go with tambourine. I, I don't think yeah, there's a lot of tambourine on this album, but that, that, that's the common uh, association that we both have is, is it's a tambourine or something else. So is it, her head's a tambourine. She has her right arm extended, uh, in kind of kind of like a uh, a salute of some sort. Maybe maybe a Nazi Nazi thing. Maybe that's me looking too far into it. Uh, maybe not. We'll, we'll, it, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, it's not you looking too far into it, but uh, <laughs> it is actually a postcard, like an an okay. old an old style vintage postcard, and I can't remember what the exact name of the postcard i think it's like bathing beauty postcard or something so it's just i don't know exactly where the postcard is from because they actually just found it a couple of years ago like just found the original postcard i guess but uh yeah it's it's just like an old postcard which fits with the some of the vibes like time time wise i guess time like era wise that this song or this album kind of portrays so but yeah. yeah, it's a postcard that they found like a couple of years ago, and they posted it online. They're like, "Oh my god, we found the postcard!" Yeah. To to be clear, 
they had the postcard back at the point that this album released, I'm assuming, and then lost it and then found it again. Because this album came out in 98. This is not a new album. Yeah. They just found the postcard, and they're like, okay, now we can now we can release this album because they have album art. <laughs> yeah. thing. It's an older album. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, somebody online, this album is very big on a few music boards. I mean, it's I pretty... Tell. <laughs> it's It's pretty big in a few areas. Rightly so, I think. But uh, somebody on that message board found it and posted it, and we're like, "Hey guys, I found it in an antique shop." So, oh, yeah, that's cool. It's just, it's just cool. It'd be fun as a fan to to find that. Oh yeah, I think Bef- so too. Before we get it, get into the album, <laughs> I, I I Tuesday came around. Right, we record these on Mondays. Tuesday came around. I was off on Tuesday, and I listened to this album for the first time on Tuesday while I was taking a shower. And I was so excited to talk about this, but I knew I couldn't talk to Joey about it because we had to wait a full week. So I just kind of like fucking stream of conscious blasted my notepad here. Uh, so I have a, a little bit of rambling uh, thing that I'm just going to read off because I was so excited and I just had to get shit out. Oh so God. it starts off. This is unprecedented. <laughs> I'm not even through the album yet. I'm on track number eight, which is Okumle. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday at 3.45 p.m., I just brushed my teeth after a shower, and holy shit, this album is great. <sighs> I want to text Joey and gush about this, but I can't, so I'm starting my notes already with this intro. The song is fucking killer. I'm excited to see what comes of this discussion. I think this was a perfect storm of my current mood, the journey we've been on, the last day of my paid time off, and what feels like <laughs> destiny. I I was kind of reflecting in the shower about how people always talk about wanting to experience something for the first time again. And I'm kind of clinging to that experience because I know that this album is going to stick with me. And I suspect that this is an album that you, Joey would, uh, wants to hear again for the first time. I think you, I think you nailed it. Thank you. Oh my God. That is is amazing. I kind of had an inkling that you would at least not hate it. Like I, I thought you would like, like it. But I am right. so glad to hear that you liked it that much because that pretty much sums up. I mean, oh, Cumley, we'll we'll get to it. It is <laughs> an amazing track, and there's some yeah. history behind a certain part of it that you might have found out. There's just like a little anecdote that I think is super cool about that track, and uh, it's just an extremely long, awesome, great track, and it's it's a great track to have that moment on. I think, <laughs> yeah. Now, now that the album's been completely overhyped, uh, we, we, can, we can get into talking. Uh, I'll go first, because yeah. generally that's, that's what we've been doing on these, these journey things, is that you're curious to see how I feel. I mm. kind of already gave that out, Yeah. but uh, I'm also going to combine tracks one and two together, because I did so in my notes, because it yeah. kind of just all flows together. Yeah. So, track one is King of Carrot Flowers Part 1, track two is King of Carrot Flowers Parts 2 and 3. We're just going to talk about them as a, as a whole piece of work. Because awesome. that's kind of how I how I interpreted them. Um, I really like the guitar tone just right off the bat. It yes. comes in with this this acoustic guitar tone. It's it's got some like layered feeling vocals, and I really actually like this guy's voice, which might be a surprise. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think it's it's not as rough as a lot of the other ones that we've been doing, but it's there's something about it that just it feels good mm-hmm. to me, and it reminds me of Jose Gonzalez's vocals and his guitar playing and stuff, which is why, spoiler alert, next week we're going to be talking about Jose Gonzalez. But uh, a lot of this album kind of gave me that feel, and it just, it feels good. It's it's a sound that is so just, like, pleasing to me. 
man, that is just amazing, and I'm so glad. I mean, I'm I'm really glad you like his voice. Like, I'm gonna go ahead, and you're gonna hear it a lot in this album. I love Jeff Mangum. Like, he is he's the vocalist for all you people out there, and the guitar player. Uh, I just like the way he sings. I like his melodic choices. And you can hear it more on some of his live albums, just like the way he sings, the notes he picks. He has lungs of like some sort of madman. <laughs> he can sing forever. And just, yeah. I love how you mentioned the tone. The tone on this acoustic guitar is so crisp. Like, I yeah, don't, it's I don't, phenomenal. it cuts right to you. And it's just, it instantly kicks out with that. So, I mean, like, as soon as the album starts, you just, you're in it. It's like it cuts through that wondering if I'm going to like it or not, at least to me. It cuts through all that, and it just hits you, and you're like, okay, this is music right now. I'm just like, right. I'm just listening <laughs> to it. <laughs> it's so good. And then this, uh, for part one, flows right into part two, like I said. Mm-hmm. And it, it part one ends with some like droning notes that are being held yeah. by like a synthesizer. I'm assuming they used it to loop it up, or someone really does have lungs of fucking infinite capacity. But there's some some droning notes that flow into part two under like a simple lo-fi guitar kind of a thing. And it just builds and it builds throughout part two. And then what I'm assuming is part three is when the wailing guitar comes in and introduces the drums. And it it just kicks off and the trumpet hits and... (laughs) Jesus Christ, I love it because it's it's just it's so good that just the way it's all laid out, the build, mm-hmm. the swelling of it, and then it punches you in the face. The trumpets, it's just ah, yeah. God, it's so good. It's amazing, and I think I don't know if I had mentioned this to you off off podcast last time or on it, but one thing. So the horns, Scott Spillane, he's the main like trumpet player, mm-hmm. so he's just great. I don't like. Just an amazing, obviously, like, the the horns on this whole album are amazing. One person in particular, though, in their little horn section, Laura Carter, is uh, currently the head of the horn section of another loved band by me, Nana Grizzle. Okay. She is in Nana Grizzle, and it's just, like, I had heard of both of the bands separately and come to love them both separately and come to find out they share <laughs> the sure link. Yeah. And it was just like this crazy moment for me where I was like, okay, well just two of my favorite bands are just like, maybe the, maybe she's the reason may somehow <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I believe but, it. I mean, she, she does a very, very good job. I'm assuming on this album, whoever is involved in the horns on this album did 10 out of 10 job. I fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his Scott's voice, Blaine, he's the main guy. Yeah, and and Jeff Jeff Magnum, right? Not Mangum. No, it's Mangum. Is it? It it actually is Mangum. Okay, Every, everywhere I've seen has it as Magnum. So really, well they they're they're <laughs> they, they're probably wrong. I hate to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jeff Mangum, his voice, like you said, there's he has a way of singing that just feels good. There were some points in this album and in part three specifically that you can tell he's really pushing himself mm-hmm. and he, he's just giving it his all to, and, and singing as loudly as possible to try and hit some of the higher notes. At some points it feels like he kind of falls flat, mm-hmm. but we can get to get to that later. I mean, I guess we don't really need to get to it at all. It's just that simple that sometimes yeah. I, I just feel like he's trying to hit a note and just falls just a little bit flat, but it, it still fits with yeah. his whole like genre and the style and stuff. So it's not really a bad thing at all. 
it definitely fits, like, I think the tone, which, I mean, I'm not a stickler for exact right. no, notes, which that's... Come from very different perspectives on that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I... But even... I don't know. Normally, I'd say something along the lines of, like, I appreciate the effort. I can understand, like, my mind can make up where they were going, so I understand, like, what I like their energy or something. This right. dude, like, I just think it works. Whatever he does works with the music on here. Um, and just... I don't know. He's playing a lot of the times where his notes fall flat. He it's because he is like you said, he's just going all out right with it. So I mean like it's kind of like you can hear the intensity in it, so it kind of Yeah, it's it's still it. impressive even yeah. if he's not hitting the notes that I think he's trying to hit. It's yeah. still very very much impressive from what he's doing. Man, I'm just already like I am just <laughs> loving the fact that you love this so much and I don't know. I, are we okay to get into the lyrical content of these these yeah, ones? Or yeah, I mean, th- I okay. think musically, this was the perfect intro to the album. Like I said, I started yeah. my shower with this song. And I was just like, yeah, this is fucking great. So uh, yeah, it's 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 a perfect intro for this album. I think I agree. This song, like, it's one of the best intro songs I think has ever been on an album that I've listened to. Like, yeah, definitely, probably the best that we've had on this this podcast at the very least. Oh shit. but yeah lyrically lyrically i just it's it's weird Mm -hmm. a a lot of this album is is kind of that weird lyrical content that we we talked about previously and i I was looking on genius like i always do and a lot of people at this point i kind of wrote my notes chronologically so i kind of come to an epiphany later in the album Mm -hmm. but at this point in it when i'm writing my notes i'm just like man these genius commenters have so many crazy fucking theories about hermaphrodites and Anne Frank and tarot and shit that I never would have thought to pick up on. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just write my own. I didn't want to like steal theirs and not really understand what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Uh, later in the album, I kind of realized what they're talking about. But uh, at this point, the first few lines, I didn't really understand, but the rest of the song kind of seemed to imply that the singer's character, whoops, the singer's character was, friends with someone whose parents were not a great couple and would always get in fights. And it kind of paints the scene of the singer being invited to his friend's house. He goes upstairs to his friend's room to hang out and do whatever kids do when they don't have computers, which is <laughs> fucking uh, downstairs. The friend's mom and dad are yelling and fighting and upstairs. The kids are falling in love, which kind of, kind of gives this, this uh, dichotomy mm-hmm. of the younger generation of kids falling in love. And then the older generation of adults falling out of love with life and each other and just everything in general, which I thought was kind of a fun uh, contrast. Yeah. I mean, definitely like the, especially the first time I heard this song, I got the picture that it was Jeff's parents who were the ones doing the fighting. He had somebody over. And honestly, like as weird as it sounds, the first time I heard this song, I got the vision that they were like step siblings. Like, I don't know. This is, it's weird, but there's a lot of weird stuff on this album. Yes, but, for sure. <laughs> like, I got the idea that it was, like, a stepfather, stepmother situation, and then step-siblings upstairs, and they were kind of just like, well, we don't know. We're in this, living in this weird, fucked-up situation. Like, there's a line in here, and uh, it's King of Carrot Flowers. I guess part three is the technical Sure. T- term for it. I call it up and over because that's. I think that was the original one. But it's a uh, and dad. 
and mom would drink until she was no longer speaking and dad would dream of all the different ways to die each one a little more than he could dare to try so it's like it just paints such a cutting picture of this abusive relationship where this mom i mean earlier she stabs the dad with a fork and he's just like falling all over the floor all across the floor and uh it's just nuts how clear he can paint that so i'm like there's this fucked up situation going on downstairs like the step kids could be upstairs just like looking for any form of comfort that they could possibly be finding but then as you'll come to find out as like you had mentioned about other people saying the Anne frank references it also got me thinking that maybe in his mind It's not even a physical thing. Maybe in his mind he is experiencing this with someone who he is relating very closely to, and that is Anne Frank, through him reading her diary. But that's that's for that was like a tenth (laughs) listen thing that I started messing around with. Yeah, there there are a lot of those references. And I think it becomes a bit more clear later in the album. Mm-hmm. But for, I, I really didn't want to just dive in and say, like, yeah, of course I picked up that, that he was talking about Anne Frank in a song where he's just talking about, like, a shitty a shitty parent relationship and, yeah. and falling in love with someone and, and fucking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, like, if that's, I mean, and that's even looking pretty deep. Like, that's the thing. There's, like, there's layers and layers and layers of what he's talking about right that i mean you can like that's one of the reasons why i love this album you can listen to it so many times and you're still gonna be like oh my like i didn't know that or what this is what he's talking about like what you're talking about with the tarot cards i figured i didn't like think about that i had never heard anything about that until i was doing some research for this right i mean something he says is uh like one of the very first lines when you were young, you were the king of carrot flowers and how you built a tower tumbling through the trees in holy rattlesnakes that fell around your feet. The tower in tarot card reading is a bad omen and yeah. rattlesnakes are the same in Christianity. So he's talking about like you are, he's just setting up this whole picture of bad omens and bad things are coming and just religious and mystical imagery that kind of gets expanded upon later in the album. And I was like, wow, I've listened to this album hundreds of times, never even thought anything more of those lines. Yeah. In addition, the the song title itself, the King of Carrot Flowers, that has some like symbology to it. Uh, I was reading, I, I don't remember specifically what they said, but I think the King generally in some some contexts means like the most experienced with or or like the 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 pinnacle of mm-hmm. something and then carrot flower is kind of symbolizing experience or wisdom so mm-hmm. there there was some weird contrast between being so young and so naive but also being the best at being experienced and and, and wisdomed and stuff like that I mean, I never would have picked up on ever in my life if I hadn't seen someone else talking about it. And that that's the kind of stuff it's like there's become such a cult following with this album that you I feel like that type of stuff really does come through. And just for just writing these lyrics, it's like, how could you ever? There's so many things like (laughs) 
theories that I have come up with even on my own or just that right. I've read that I'm like, that's so far fetched. But then you think about all the other things that have to be true about this album and you're like, okay, maybe he was thinking of that. Like there's a line. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. The, the and, depth that is in this album. Ah, uh, but I, I'm just going to stop gushing for a second. <laughs> like it's just, so this song, it just, it starts off pretty dark. I mean, there's just bad things to come talking about a bad relationship, maybe some, trying to detach himself from the world like he's he's trying to escape into comforts in the upper room i like what you said about that dichotomy between the young loving and the old falling apart the marriage falling apart the right like that because that i mean dichotomy just like the dichotomy of human nature versus kind of moral obligation or religious obligation is i think a pretty big theme in this album so kind of what for sure what humans are want to do and what humans are telling other humans that they should be doing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that, that okay. was a lot of time I'm, spent I'm, on the first track. <laughs> oh my God. But, but it's going to be a long one. We should have given a disclaimer. This is probably going to be the longest episode we've done, honestly, because <laughs> we both, we both really enjoy this album for completely different reasons and we have different context for it. And we both wrote a whole lot of notes. So just oh fucking buckle up, you know, take a break at this point. If you want to just, just pause it, yeah. go, go get a coffee, something, you know, take a break. We'll be yeah. here. Do something. I'll be here forever. Like I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, this song, this, this song, this podcast will exist for an indefinite amount of time. I don't, I don't think it's going to be going away until yeah, we it, go away, or like, until the as, internet as, goes away, or until the internet goes away. But uh, before that happens, we we better be in an aeroplane over the sea. Yeah, spreading our ashes. Getting once we're dead, and then we can't make the <laughs> podcast anymore. Our uh, podcast will be the ashes that gets thrown out over the world leaving our impact on this planet that's deep man that's yes. deep yes. also the third the third track <laughs> is titled in the airplane over the sea as is the album it's the title track yeah, definitely. so early in the album i think this is this is a pretty early point a lot of times the the title tracks for albums don't come until like the middle or towards the end but this is mm-hmm. this is right up front just after the intro yeah and i don't I mean, it's got the crisp acoustic guitar tone coming back in the beginning. Like it's, it's so just, good, yeah, and it's so good. The way kind of this is like this type of stuff is what I was trying to set up with the Beulah album, where they start off kind of simple and just layer more and more and more and more. Yeah, but they, like I said, like they just do it so much better. It's just ah. Oh. It's so good. They start off with the acoustic, then it like all the backing instruments come in. There's a singing saw that kind of spacey, yes, like that sound. That is a singing saw. So it's just that. At least that's what I've read that it is. (laughs) I can't tell you you're wrong. (laughs) Like I don't know. And then the horns come in, the drums. It just builds and builds and builds, and that's just. There's so much. You can hear the sound of progression so much on this album, and it's just. It's, I love it so much. I'm going to say those words so much. So many times <laughs> this podcast. I just love it. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, it, it's it's a, an experiment of layering and, and building musically, but it's also like a lot of softer instrumentation and stuff. It's not like it's abrasive. Like it's just a lot of noise yeah. coming at you. Like the trumpet solo comes in. It's, and it's very like soft and gentle. 
and really the whole track to me felt very like floaty which makes sense if it's in the aeroplane over the sea there's the waves of the sea crashing there's the airwaves kind of floating and that that sound saw or the water singing saw as you called it mm-hmm. gives it gives it kind of these like almost eerie like windy sound effects going like like there's just a lot of yeah. wind which there would be if you're up in the sky or if you're down by the sea like there's a lot of wind so i, I thought yeah texture wise it's it's a very satisfying song mm-hmm. i 100 percent agree with you like ever since you said the words trumpet solo coming in softly <laughs> literally i can just play the trumpet solo in my head because it's just like a nice little melody yeah there's just so many things about it that are just so memorable and I need to stop gushing because then we're going to spend another 25 <laughs> minutes on this track alone. So it's just, it's like, there's not, there's a lot of different textures happening. Like you said, they all work really well together. They're not abrasive. It's just, it's just a nice little trip through this. I don't know, this experiment. The soundscape. Yeah, it's a soundscape. There we go. That is brilliant. I love that. Thanks. I'm, I'm pretty much a genius at this point. Uh, lyrically, though, uh, on this one, again, I noted that the genius people or, or the people commenting on the genius page seem to think there's some deep connection or context with Anne Frank. But at this point, I'm just like, I, I, I don't really see it right now. It, it seems <laughs> like they do this on every track on the album where they, they try to tie in and Frank and stuff. So I'm going to stop pointing it out at this point, And I'm just going to go with my own yeah. interpretation from here. That's kind of a lie because later it, it all clicks and I go back to it. But yeah, for, for now, I'm just going to go with my interpretation of the lyrics isolated from everyone else's context. So the lyrics to me in the song are just talking about being young and enjoying it while it lasts, knowing that one day you're going to die, which is a mm-hmm. thing that we talked about on the apples and stereo album. And I, I remember specifically, Joey, you found comfort kind of oh, yeah. in that knowledge where you die. I really like the ending. The last like verse or, or couple lines says, and when we meet on a cloud, I'll be laughing out loud. I'll be laughing with everyone I see. I can't believe how strange it is to be anything at all. And oh my God. to me, I, I got from that, that he's saying that when he dies and goes to heaven, he'll be excited and he'll be laughing with everyone, but he's also going to be kind of taken aback that it, it, and thinking it's weird that there is an afterlife and that mm-hmm. the fact that he is anything at all, at, at that point is just kind of surprising. Yes. And, oh my, uh, uh, it's just that line. I actually had said, I was going to say something about that line, <laughs> but you, you made it, you put it so beautifully. So I'll go ahead and talk about a different line. And <laughs> it, so this album, like at this point, you're right. There's no direct real reference to Anne Frank, but it does like, there's other things that happen later that kind of tie everything together. Believe it or not, the Anne Frank thing, you know what, I'll save it for later. But <laughs> as far as re-listens, like what I was talking about like in the previous song, where you can listen to this song, this album so many times and still find new meanings, the bridge of this song, the first three little lines of this bridge, just blow me away because of like, it was, I feel like it was my first real brush with like really smart, imagery right in a song but the, the lines are now how i remember you how i would push my fingers through your mouth to make those muscles move and yeah what he's talking about there is anne frank her diary is her mouth because that's how she reaches 
She's speaking. She can speak to anyone at any time in any era. That is her mark on the world, which is a theme explored in this song. But that's her, yes. mark, that's her mark made on the world because she wrote her diary and it got everybody can read it now. Her mouth is her diary. She's speaking to the world through it. And that's how he remembers her. He remembers the first time that he read the diary. He remembers, he feels like he can remember her through this. It's like a portal back to the past that they both exist in. So they're, I don't know. They're just kind of together in that moment. He would yeah. push, just push his fingers through, like he would push his fingers through her mouth to make the muscles move. That like, he's just thumbing through the book, just reading the book. But it's like the first time you hear that line, you're like, okay, what, what does this mean? And then it clicks and you're just like, this is just perfect imagery for reading a book that somebody else has written cataloging a significant portion of their life and that they're speaking to you. So like, I don't know. It's just like, it just blew me away the first time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it's a very strange metaphor. Mm-hmm. But it it's very very like it nails it like I mean like you said it, it's it's the perfect imagery for this. It's uh, oh my god like it's I don't know but anyway with the making your mark on the world uh, as far as the and one day we will die and our ashes will fly from the aeroplane over the sea that's another line in the second verse and it's something that I referenced in whenever we were introducing the song but. Not only is it thinking about the fact that one day we're going to die and just, I don't know, live while you're young because, I don't know, like you said, the next, it just, it, it talks about, I'm trying to explain too many things <laughs> all at once because I'm freaking out over here. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a thick album with context, so we, a lot of it, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, but anyways, the ashes can represent the mark that you're making on the world because one day... You're going to die, and little tiny pieces of you can be seen throughout the whole world, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how, like, I don't know, just how you've lived your life. You are going to be spread throughout a portion of the world that you lived in and will at least have your memory passed on. And in that way, you will be real through it. I mean, Anne Frank's diary, not to reference something that hasn't been in, set in concrete yet, but it's her, she she still exists yes. because of, I mean, she still exists because she wrote that, her diary, and because now everybody can at least feel like they knew her, so she, she's never going to die due to that. I guess truly, her the memory of her will never die. At least, and that's yeah. I don't know. It's just no, something I, nice. I, I think I think you said it very succinctly when you when you said he was viewing her journal as as some court kind of portal that, mm-hmm. that he can kind of look back and see kind kind of experience what she experienced uh, vicariously through her journal, which I, I think is is it's it's good imagery and it's it's just I don't know it's it's good I like it. Man. And if at, if, at, if at any point I start just rambling on too much, if, even if you have to cut it out, just like oh, I'm not stop. cutting anything. Okay, this is just... going to be the this is going to be a two and a half hour episode, and people are going to complain. <laughs> but it's good. I don't give a shit. Fuck them. Because I literally could just sit here 
and talk and talk and talk about this. But yeah, I'm, I'm just, I knew you would. That's why I'm so excited. <sighs> and I have been all week. Like at the fucking first time I listened to this album, I was like, we need to talk about this, but I can't talk about it yet. I got to <sighs> save it for the podcast. Oh my God. I'm just like, I'm over here. Normally, and this is going to be a little bit of a, a behind the scenes peek. We normally talk about how like, we get nervous right before the podcast starts recording. And we both said that we were more excited than nervous this time. But now like the excitement is bubbling over in me and I'm just like, I'm sitting in my chair. We're just giddy little kids. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm about to go see a Justin Bieber concert. And like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that after this. Is Justin Bieber still tour? I'm sure he's touring. I'm sure he does. I mean, not right now, but I I don't know. Maybe he is right now. Who knows? (laughs) We'll go to the nearest Justin Bieber show together and just just fangirl just freak out. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. We can go but together yeah, okay. in a costume yeah. as as maybe a two headed <gasps> boy. That would be that would be pretty sweet because then I could be on the right head and you could be on the left head and we'll just. No, I was I gonna. Make... I don't want to be on the left. I want to be on the right head. I was about to make a backup backpack reference. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit joey the people don't even know about the backup backpack we'll pitch that at a later date though yeah yeah don't worry don't it's something (laughs) keep listening and eventually you'll find out what the backup backpack is yeah two-headed if we we don't forget two-headed boy track number four this uh okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna wait for a second but this song it has (laughs) it starts off with just him playing guitar it's just jeff mango playing guitar and it's him, it's pretty simple, just him playing his acoustic guitar, singing, and he kind of, like, turns up his intensity at the end of each verse, which is something that I just love. Like, you talked about, you can hear him actually, like, straining sometimes to just scream out these lyrics, and this is just a good example of that, I think, the last two lines on each of the verses at the beginning. Yes. This was the the clearest example of what I was saying about that, where he's he's very clearly straining and pushing his voice to hit the nice mm-hmm. the highest notes, and and again sometimes it feels like he's falling flat, but maybe he's, he's nailing it. But he, regardless, he's fucking giving it his all, and yeah. it comes through very clearly. I I, I think a lot oh. of the song is is loud and aggressive in ways, but as, as you mentioned, it kind of it builds and builds and builds, except for the last verse. And the last verse kind of chills out, giving it this nice release of that energy. And it ties in with the lyrics, which we haven't gotten to. But uh, after, after that, there's that release towards the end. He's just kind of like vocal riffing, kind of like humming and and like making laws and da's and D's and stuff, which is just kind of like a, Mm -hmm. it's a nice, it's a nice release. I don't don't know how to say it in in any other way. It just, it feels like all that tension that was building and building and building is just kind of dispersed. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to let you t- go first on the <laughs> lyrics because I have yeah. a, I have a lot to say about Yeah, this. I had a lot to say and this track okay. and the next one even though the next one doesn't have lyrics were the tracks that kind of made it click what everyone had been screaming about in, in the genius comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so there are four verses I think in this track. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the first verse he he talks about a two-headed boy floating in glass tapping on his jar which gives you the imagery of some mutation or science experiment being being trapped in a Colto tank, if you're a Star Wars nerd, those floating Healy tanks, uh, and seeking help, right? He, he's just kind of floating there, trapped, he's being experimented on. Um, but verse two comes in, and the singer's telling the, the two-headed boy to enjoy life 
and dance around and have fun basically to enjoy his life despite it being fucking awful or trying to make it as good as possible, which in hindsight from something I drew at the end of the album, I think the song is from the perspective of one of the researchers or scientists that are experimenting on him that maybe has a softer heart than everyone else and is trying to make his life a little bit less uh, awful, but we can get to that. Uh, then the chorus comes in and it seems to be that they're torturing him or experimenting on him to the point that he passes out or he dies, which is just kind of dark. And then the third verse gets darker. And initially it seemed to me that it was about the two headed boy making music for his lover who is also being experimented on and she's actually choking and can't breathe, but he's just trying to calm her down and let what might be her last moments end with some like nice, pleasant music kind of like the Titanic sinking musicians playing as as the sink ships kind of a thing. I think there's some confusion in me about that point because again, towards the end of the album that made me think that the scientist was the one that he was in love with, but I I don't think they would be doing those kind of experiments on her. So it's not super clear. Maybe you can clear that up in a second, but uh, the chorus comes in and repeats and because of the prior verse being about someone else being experimented on in my context, it, it seemed to be about his lover dying to experimentation. And then the song slows down in the first, the fourth verse, because he said he's grieving the loss of his lover. And this is when the, the genius commenters start to make sense. Uh, the, the verse, the last par- uh, part of the last verse, he says, the world that you need is wrapped in gold, silver sleeves left beneath Christmas trees in the snow. And I will take you and leave you alone, watching spirals of white softly flow over your eyelids. And all you did will wait until the point when you let go. Which, uh, I'm not good with history, so I did a little boopity boop research here. (laughs) The Nazis apparently had uh, covered up a lot of their death camps with like fir trees. And, or, or Christmas trees that weren't Christmas trees because they weren't chopped down in, in, in people's houses. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like it, it implies that he was being experimented on by Nazis during World War II or whatever. And then when they got busted or they got routed or whatever, they, they left them underground, these experiments, and just kind of like let them, let them exist under the Christmas trees to die alone kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah. It's, uh... That's what I got, Joey. Tell me why I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong, because I think, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I don't know if you're right, either. Like, so <laughs> many so many things have been said about this song, about, like, even what the two-headed boy, is it a, yes. is it a person, is it an idea, is it two people connected, is it yep. a cassette tape, is it, like, what <laughs> is it? But Yeah, I think, I think it gets a little bit clearer and also muddier as the album goes on what the two-headed mm-hmm. boy represents to me it's very hard like this song in particular is very hard for me to come at from a, an objective like take an objective look at because i had mentioned a song hitting a point in my life where there was another transitional point in my life and this is that song like from the very beginning of this song most of the lyrics related to me in a way that the first time i heard it it made me think of my kind of adolescence i guess like when i was like a preteen ish so i was raised catholic went to a catholic school for up until sixth grade and just was raised in it was 
as much of a believer as a young child can be, very into it. And around that age, maybe fifth grade-ish, started to just, you know, have doubts, started to question things, started wanting to understand more things. So from the very beginning, two-headed boy, all floating in glass, the sun has passed, now it's blacker than black. Like, I was the two-headed boy, one of my heads was the new me that's questioning things. One of the heads is the old me that is still seeing things the way that I was brought up in. And I was just sitting there, stagnant, floating in this jar. And the sun, the light that I thought I knew, is gone. And now everything is just black. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the world is. And I don't know. It's And then just the next verse, two-headed boy put on Sunday shoes and danced around the room to accordion keys. Like just the the mental image of Sunday shoes, going to church, going to Sunday school, like that, it just hit home with me again Yeah. with the needle that sings in your heart. It's my heart questioning what is happening out there, catching the signals that are sounding in the dark. These signals are coming out of the darkness, making me question all the things that I've believed my entire life. It's just, it was... It was like so. It hit so close to home that I couldn't believe that I was hearing it. I guess for the first time. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that you shared this. <laughs> it, this is why I like music, and this is why I enjoy the fact that we have this podcast and that we're talking about this because fucking music is and always will be what you get out of it. Yeah. The, it, it doesn't necessarily matter what the singer intends. It's how it's mm-hmm. interpreted and how it applies to you and how it helps you through shit or how it helps you reflect on shit. Like it, it's, it's mind blowing that a song that in my opinion, in my, in my mind was about a science, a scientific experiment from Nazis was about you having this kind of crisis of faith. And they're to- two completely different like storylines and two completely different contexts, but they're both equally valid. Because, yeah. I mean, like you said, pretty much everything in this you could tie to your personal experience. Yeah, it was just so, like, and that's the thing. Like like you said, that's what's great about music. Because who says that it's not about both of those things? Like, who, right. who says that the way he wrote it, because, I mean, if we're going with the whole, going off of a first listen, you wouldn't even think that this was specifically about Anne Frank, but you could tie it to old like holocaust era world war ii era type right. not like nazis or something but it's- yeah i would not have tied it to to nazi experimentation i if it wasn't for everyone screaming in the genius comments about yeah. it i i it was clear to me that there was someone being experimented on or that, that i mean there's a man in a jar kind of thing so the literal aspects of it are there but i would yeah. not have tied it into anne frank in any way shape or form yeah it's uh and the thing is, there's such a cult. I hate to call it a cult, but it kind of is. Oh, for sure. Around around this album, around this band in general, that people kind of know the history of the songwriting process of this album. Right. So, I mean, there's so much research that has gone into every single <laughs> line of this album and yeah. what Jeff might have been thinking when he was writing them. But yeah, for the first listener, like... It just, it's overwhelming almost to kind of get into and see what people are, like you said, they literally are like screaming. People are freaking out saying like, (laughs) 
this line references this line in Anne Frank's diary where it's like talking about this and this and this and this and that's what and it probably was like honestly but like nobody would know that and that's what's great about it is that he can write lyrics that are so specific to him that can still be interpreted in such different ways and mean such such great things to other people I guess yeah, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head with the whole cult community thing around this album. And it, it's it was, that's why I was kind of hesitant to bring in initially like the, the Anne Frank and the Nazi and even the Hermaphrodite stuff. Like there, there's a lot that I saw people were screaming about early in the album. But it's just like, I think these people are reading maybe a little bit too far into this shit that they're just yeah. seeing what they want to see. They've, they've developed their own narrative to it and they're passing it off as fact. Granted, I know Jeff himself has apparently a history of explaining song tracks yeah. uh, when he does his live shows. So I'm sure that there's a lot more validity there than I was giving them credit for. Uh, and yeah. I think I, I got to that point in the next track, which actually doesn't have vocals. Uh, so maybe I was the, <laughs> fool the whole time. Track five. Yeah, I bet you were the fool. <laughs> is the fool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it flows in from the last track. It's all connected. A lot of the songs on this album just kind of flow together. They're they're continuously mixed, I believe is the technical term for it. But uh, this one comes in with some like very somber trumpets and like a militant snare cadence, and it sounds like maybe some accordion backing it up. And it, it feels like the score of like a war film. Like you'd hear this when you're watching a war movie as the protagonist is crawling on the ground and everyone's dead or dying around him. And he's just trying to make it to safety. Also side note, totally different context. The vibraphone in the song comes in so subtly <laughs> and it's so mellow and I fucking love it. Oh, do you? I the do. Vib- it, it's so good. It's so good. I told you, man, they must've just had a vibraphone <laughs> laying around somewhere and like everybody yeah, got to everyone dipped it a little bit, but, but I, yeah, love it. I love it. It's so great. <laughs> it is good. Uh, the song gets a little bit optimistic in the middle, I felt, but it's still like somber and, and reflective, I think. Um, yeah. And and this is the point. There aren't any lyrics, like I said, but having this pause to kind of reflect on it and the tone of the music itself kind of made me rethink a lot of the, the prior album mm-hmm. or the prior songs on this album, where Two-Headed Boy, I don't think was necessarily some freak that they, that they created in a lab. It maybe this is me just taking with what other people were running, but there were mentions of hermaphrodite. So maybe two-headed boy, he felt like he was some kind of freak, like mm-hmm. as if he had two heads because he was born a hermaphrodite. So in the first track, you know, he, he was raised a hermaphrodite. He finds someone else who has a hermaphrodite, or maybe it's just a projection of himself, uh, his friend from the King of Care Flowers, and he falls in love with them. Uh, Nazis happen to find both of them when when the war happens, and they take both of the hermaphrodites into a, into the lab to experiment on because it's it's an anomaly, mm-hmm. right? And they experiment, and they experiment, and then the two headed boy hermaphrodite not actually having two heads, his friend dies. And at this point, with the music, I'm not sure if he's escaped because it got a little bit optimistic, or if he was buried under the ground. But I, I feel like it would become clearer towards the end of the album, is what I said. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily, but it also does in some <laughs> ways. Yeah, and there's a lot of weird shit that happens that I call out towards the end of the album. Yeah, this uh, this song, like you definitely hit the nail on the head with uh, the war march kind of feel. And that's what kind of, I don't know, 
how this song made you rethink Two-Headed Boy, the next song made me rethink the rest of the songs before this, because the next song is where I started to kind of pick up on what other people were saying. The first yeah. time, because the first few times I listened to the album, I didn't look up the lyrics. I didn't. I didn't do anything like that. I was kind of just listening, trying, like, right. kind of vibing it out. I wasn't even really paying attention to the lyrics, but I just kind of caught glimpses. But yeah, I, song, I did not I, know what I was in for when when it, like I wrote that that post, the the little blurb at the beginning on Tuesday, just from listening to the music the way I do. Like yeah. what I was what I was ranting about and and so excited to talk about was just the music. I, I don't I didn't pay attention to the lyrics. I had no idea what this album was about. I still don't know necessarily what this album's about in full, but like, I had no idea what I was getting into until I started getting my notes together for this. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is going to take a lot longer than I anticipated because there's so there's so many layers to it. Yeah, definitely. Like this, and this song kind of just as a little end note. Like I view this not necessarily as a palate cleanser, but it's a nice little kind of break because two-headed boy like maybe in the grand scheme of things the ex- like what he was actually talking about or who- i don't know i hate to say that but like maybe it wasn't as intense as the experience that i had or that you like the dark as the experience that you described listening right. to this song. like maybe it was something entirely different but given how i experienced two-headed boy it was nice to have this kind of break it was like a little two minute yes. kind of like i know what i'm getting here it's just marching continuous forward moving music taking me to the next song and it was just it yeah, breaks it, it up pretty nicely yeah it's it's a very good like reset on on the mood of the album as well i i think i i don't want to say this ends necessarily to headed boy story but i feel like at this point it's maybe like a flashback or it's jumping to a different time and place or to a different yeah. focus at least and and there yeah. are some threads tied through but I'll, I'll get to that later well what time and place would that be maybe uh <laughs> holland in the year of 1945 that's a very good guess i think that's out yeah i could definitely see that being the time and place for the the next part of the album maybe even the next track well, man. which is titled yeah. holland 1945 there we go. There we go. <laughs> we did it. We did it. So this we, song, this song, this song. What, this do, what song? do you think of this song, huh? <laughs> this song? This song? This song? The, the one right yeah. here? This, huh? song right here. Time? this song right <laughs> here. <laughs> it's got an upbeat acoustic intro. Again, the, I love the acoustic guitars on this album. There is, uh, after the intro, there's a lot of distortion that comes in with the drums and the guitar and the bass. It's, it's a very upbeat song overall. Uh, and there's there's a trumpet. There's also a trombone. It, it appears in the song. They're both fucking dope. I just, I just love them mm-hmm. to death in the, in the song. I I think musically, otherwise though, it's a pretty generic rock track. I didn't have a lot of notes to to call out the music separately. Yeah, definitely musically. Like I like the intro to the song just because of the energy where it starts yeah. out with that acoustic and then it cuts out and you hear. Jeff go one two one two three <laughs> yeah. and then it hits hits in with the extreme like fuzzy distortion and yeah. it's just Lots it's just a nice feel yeah but like it's not anything crazy musically I don't think there's a ton of like horns coming in over xylophones over organs over whatever right. it's just pretty straightforward it's but a very jammy track this song yeah this song 
is the song where I started. This is actually the song that kind of made me do a little bit of research to kind of come up with some Anne Frank connections of my own because I don't know. It was just talking about the only girl I've ever loved was born in 19 or was born with roses in her eyes. And then they buried her alive one evening, 1945. And it kind of made me think, I was like, okay, 1945, like whatever. And it's kind of made me think to the funeral march type thing or and then one of the lyrics is uh what was it and then they buried her alive one evening at 45 with just her sister at her side and only weeks before the guns came and rained on everyone and i was like i think i've heard that somewhere before and i remembered hearing like something about Anne frank and her sister died like weeks before Auschwitz was like liberated or gotten by the British people. And that was a thing that like they said for a long time, I don't, now they're debating on whether or not it's actually true. But at the time of him writing this, that was kind of like the belief that she died like weeks before that. And I was kind of like looking back at some other lyrics and I was like, is, is this song (laughs) about, and like Anne Frank, and then I started looking more and more and more into it, and kind of came yeah. to the conclusions that other people came to. Yeah, no, I think for sure this is the first track that like explicitly ties in to Anne Frank, and it makes mm-hmm. the other the, the other songs tie in to Anne Frank in hindsight as well. But yeah, this one for sure is the the biggest call out or so far at least on the album. Yeah. There's a lot of like really weird metaphors and imagery that I can't really decipher in this track lyrically. Um, it, this is, again, I feel like it was maybe passing the focus from the two-headed boy to Anne Frank, but it kind of comes back around, I think, towards the end. Uh, specifically the last verse in the song I called out, because it's it's just awful and perfect, and it's, it's horrible, but I love it. it. It says, and here's where your mother sleeps. And here's the room where your brothers were born, indentions in the sheets where their bodies once moved but don't anymore. And it's so sad to see the world yeah. agree that they'd rather see their faces filled with flies, all when I'd want to keep white roses in their eyes. And it's just like, people would rather just murder all of these children than to just let them exist and have, have a happy have a happy area. Yeah, it's... That like this whole song is just an intense song. Once you really start looking at it, like that last verse especially, it's just yeah, it's just like oh yeah, this whole song is about kind of what it's. I don't know. I hate. I always hate to say like this song is about this. This is kind of what I've gotten from this song, and right. other people have also gotten. But uh, like the chorus comes in, but now we must pick up every piece of the life we used to love just to keep ourselves at least enough to carry on. And it's seems to be, okay. So Holland, 1945 history of the song, Jeff Mangum could not decide on whether to call this song Holland or 1945 because Anne Frank and her family had to evacuate Germany to Holland whenever I think it was 1933, whenever the Hitler took power, I guess, or whenever the Nazis came into power and then she died in 1945. So there were two significant parts of her life and seemed to hint at she moved to Holland, leaving behind her, her life and 
that's where the chorus comes in. But now we must pick up every piece of the life we used to love, just just so they can have the strength to continue living. Right. And then the the last verse, like you said, just paints a picture where it's like, this is what we used to have, and now we can't, like you said, because they just can't let people exist. Yeah, they'd rather just see be- their faces filled with flies. Uh, it's just nuts. Yeah. And then the white rose is just a little tidbit. The white rose, it was kind of a resistance group that, uh, it, they were trying to end the Nazis or like fascism and, uh, just, I don't know. They were kind of struck down as a lot of other people were, but just, yeah, he's there's a resistance he's movement. Sympath- yeah. It's just, I guess, showing Jeff sympathizing, on the other side, which I mean, of course, I, like, of course he does. Like, <laughs> of course, like, any, same <laughs> any normal human being. Yeah, but just just for context of the song, that's like where that fits it. Like, just one more layer of him just adding something because right. I didn't know that before Me I either. started doing research <laughs> on this song. Like, but I don't know. It's just just he adds so many little details that you. They're just little Easter eggs almost, but I you can't call them Easter eggs because they're meant to be there and yeah, meant they're, to they're be. References. Up, yeah, they're references. Yeah, references. There you go. That's What am I doing over here? I'm just freaking out, man. <laughs> That's what's happening. We're, we're all freaking out today. Even the people listening, they're almost an hour into this episode now. And then we're, oh we're my like God. halfway. We're halfway, boys. Oh, my God. <laughs> kind of. I, t- I, I we're told on track you. To- we're on track six of 11. Oh God, we are halfway. <laughs> yep. But it's fine. We're moving on from track six. Now we, we've, we've spoke our yeah. piece track seven, the communist daughter, which yes. is an interesting song title. Yes. And okay. So this song, it's kind of just acoustic with a little, with some spacey songs in the background. I kind of treat this song as a vibe shift. I hate like to, <laughs> to me, cause it kind of like, so there was the fool, which kind of transitioned into Hall in 1945, which was really upbeat, and then you get brought back down, kind of with Communist Daughter. It's like pretty chill before the yeah. next song. I really like but, the music in Communist Daughter for what it's worth. It, it's got a lot of like, like you said, some spacey kind of screeching noises and, mm-hmm. and some other like sound bites that are under that clean acoustic guitar and the low vocals. It just, I don't know, it, it gives it kind of this this. Not, I don't want to say trippy because it's such a like cliche thing to say, but it, it feels like yeah. you're you're kind of like just floating through space. Yeah, it's uh, man, this song, I, I'm gonna kind of go in the camp of the cult for this song <laughs> just because okay. it's it's such a like a little song, but I feel like kind of the the fan accepted theory is a pretty good example of something that I was talking about earlier of the dichotomy between human nature and morality. Yeah. And so the chorus to this song, just little, little bit, it's a sweet communist, the communist daughter standing on the seaweed water, semen stains the mountaintops, semen stains the mountaintops. So right here sounds pretty weird just to begin with. It's yeah. The song cranks up the weird imagery. Yeah. So, but in if if we're staying in the era of World War II, communism was staunchly against fascism. Fascism is essentially what was coming into power. It's how like right there, 
communists were almost like the the good guys. And I hate like not saying that communism should be associated with the bad guys. It's that's kind of like a a red. They're, they're scare. different systems of belief. Yeah, they're different systems of belief. But in in this situation, communism was against the bad guys. So right. therefore, they were the good guys. And so, she is the communist daughter. She is the good the good one standing on the seaweed water. He says standing on the seaweed water, giving some sort of imagery of walking on water, which something we didn't talk about in King of Carrot Flowers part two. He brings in, cranks up some religious imagery by just screaming, I love you, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I love you. We totally glossed over it, but yeah, yeah, but that, (laughs) that happens. And he's gone on record saying like, I'm not like, it's more of like a, not necessarily like a metaphor or anything, but it's just like, he's just saying it as kind of like a placeholder for like somebody that he loves. Like he's, it's not a song about specifically loving Jesus Christ or specifically loving Christianity. It's just like, I don't know, but it's, it's more Jesus Christ. I I love you. Like it's, it's like a passive phrase kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's just, and to introduce some religious imagery, and she's being, it's just keeping with the religious imagery and semen standing the mountaintops just is a way of saying snow-capped mountains in a very male-centric way. Yeah. Mountaintops that are covered in white stuff that is <laughs> snow, but it's, but it kind of ties into the end of the first verse, which is talking about and Frank in this head cannon, and wanting something warm and moving, bends herself, bends towards herself. The soothing proves that she must still exist. She moves herself about her fist, which yeah. is she's masturbating. Believed in, <laughs> yeah. It's I was gonna try to go a different way, but you, you know, there, yeah. It's and just wanting some sort of human pleasure in a time of just absolute uncertainty, fear, just not knowing what's gonna happen, and it's kind of exploring the taboo of that, which I, from the male centric version of semen stains, the mountaintop makes me think that the taboo is specifically female sexuality in that time, rather than just sexuality in general. But I mean, given the religious connotations in other songs, it could just be sexuality in general. I just choose to believe it's more specifically female, yeah, I mean, a, but, a lot of this this album has a lot of that sexual context, so yeah. it's it's definitely not not a far reach to say that it's it's definitely sexual in nature, but this one yeah. I, I agree could pro- possibly be more specifically for Anne Frank and and female sexuality in general. I, I yeah. noted on this track that the imagery was very weird, and outside of it being clearly about her masturbating, I was unsure. What, what the rest of the song was about. And I said, hopefully Joey can glue me in because I don't really care to keep reading these essays that genius commenters are posting. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it also can go back to, like we said in the beginning, the relation of the young love and the old abuse or fighting or destroying. Like, she is in her space. Up, she's upstairs in the attic experiencing this this human nature wanting some sort of comfort in these crazy times when right outside in the first track it's downstairs but right outside 
bombs are being dropped. This yeah. like war is happening. People are being rounded up like animals, and just I don't know. Just I like that. Thought- I, I didn't I didn't tie that together. Where like the yeah. first track, she's she's upstairs with the singer or, or whatever, and they're they're having the sexual encounter while there's so much conflict going on just on the other side of a wall. But that's exactly like the same thing that's happening in Frank's <laughs> life here, and that that's I I never would have picked up on that. So I think that's cool. It's yeah. But I'll I'll stop talking about this two minute song for a second, so we can. <laughs> so we can... Oh boy, if that if it, if it took us that long to talk about a two minute song, they don't know what's coming in the next track. Oh, comely! <laughs> oh, comely is the eighth track. It's one I mentioned at the beginning. This is like I I didn't have that sort of visceral reaction because of the song. The song was the one that was on while I was writing it down. Mm-hmm. But that being said, this is easily my favorite song on the album. Okay. The guitar okay. tone on it is just so crisp and great. Like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. it's just, Oh, it's so good. So good. The voice, the melodies, just it's, it's an eight minute acoustic guitar mostly. And, and his voice, it gives me those Jose Gonzalez vibes that are just, it's fantastic. It's the longest track on this album. It's fucking eight minutes, almost eight and a yeah. half, but yeah. it's so good. It's so good. I love it. I 100% agree with you that this is so good. I can't say it's my favorite song on the album because I don't have, I am way far beyond having a favorite song. On this album. <laughs> like, yeah, but it is a very, very, very good song. And the, the little tidbit that I was going to say about this song is that, so Jeff Mangum did his entire take on this album in one take or on this song in one take, just his whole part, the yeah. guitar, the singing, all of it in one take. And if you listen really closely at the end, you can hear somebody in the background shout, Holy shit. Cause they're, <laughs> yep. they're just like yeah, enamored was, with the fact that he did that. Yeah. It was supposed to be a test run. I think initially where it's just like making sure that the levels and, and stuff were set and he was just going to do like a verse and then he kind of mm-hmm. just he just kind of went for it because he was feeling it, and everyone just kind of like the there was some imagery. Someone else posted that there were just like twenty people. Uh, I, I guess it was a quote from the producer, uh, which is Rob Schneider, mm-hmm. Doctor Rob, Doctor um, Rob, <laughs> that, that he remembers just like sitting in the booth while Jeff was doing his thing, and there were like twenty people all crowded around him, all just kind of like watching and listening in amazement that he was just keeping it going and keeping it going for what was supposed to have just been a test run. And he fucking one takes it, and it it is my favorite song on the album. Before knowing mm-hmm. that, and it's just it's incredible. Oh no, oh, man! But yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it's just the way that this song just kind of naturally progresses. Yeah, I mean it. You can once you hear that, you can kind of understand that he did it in one take, and that's the highest of compliments I think to this song is that like you can tell it's just so natural i guess the way it kind of ebbs and flows right with there's parts that are way more higher energy than other yes. parts and it just fits the song pretty like very well yeah to that extent uh there are five verses in this i wrote notes for each different verse plus the chorus <laughs> and some stuff because like that's just what we're doing with this album because there's a lot yeah. of lyrical content to, di- to digest oh yeah but the first verse uh, from what i got out of it was about a lover dying and remembering the sexual encounter as their last memory, but it didn't actually happen the way they think they did, kind of harkening back to, you know, the first song or even the prior song where there's 
there's this idea of what was happening versus what was actually happening, but it was still kind of like this, this very sexual thing. Um, and then verse two comes in, it seems like it's maybe another sexual memory or maybe the real interpretation of what happened in verse one about giving a guy a, a blowjob to try to like form some sort of real relationship, which he mentions like having a friend to say comforting things is what they were hoping to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But the singer saying the singer from his perspective, sees this guy as an enemy implying that the singer singer maybe wants to be the person that he's singing about to be his and only his kind of a thing. Yeah. And then the chorus comes in and it kind of builds towards this climax, which, you know, <laughs> sexual climax, whatever, but it, it's the song climax and it's this lyrical climax of the thing. And then verse three is the climax. Like this whole verse just mm-hmm. has a lot of energy in it. It's got a lot of like weird imagery, uh, with it and then it kind of starts to come down a bit where verse four it, it seems to apply that the singer had sex with Anne Frank or or wanted to but she had died and now he can't which yep. you know if he if he has this fascination with Anne Frank he's been reading her journal kind of living vicariously through her as if she is real kind of thing it makes sense but maybe to a bit of an unhealthy extreme and then I got to verse five and I, I literally wrote you lost me Genius commenters tie this to another track of his about Siamese twin, but I'm not really sure how it relates to the song. I found Mm -hmm. out later that this is just a thing that uh, Jeff does where he ties in a lot. And even within this album, I'll I'll get into this a bit more, but he ties a lot of things together and and just kind of like mashes it up in, in such a way that it's not necessarily one coherent story. Yeah. That, yeah. He... He has a very abstract way of tying things together, thinking, I guess, songwriting, I think, in the sense that there's some things that just really, I mean, don't make sense sometimes, but, like, you can kind of piece them together to make sense, or, like, they only make sense in a very specific context, or just, like, I don't know. There's just some weird, weird references which i've listened to i mean i i think i've listened to every song that he's ever recorded not 100 percent sure but i hear some of the references sometimes and i'm just kind of like yep yeah they're, uh, they're like <laughs> characters that he pulls in from other other works that he's done yeah which is interesting but as far as i'll break it down verse by verse i'll i'll try to keep it succinct as well yeah go for it and uh so one thing that I just wanted to point off off the bat is that on this song, this is where his iron lungs really come into play. <laughs> like you can, he just sings and never takes a breath. Like I yeah. don't understand how he does it. And it's pretty fitting that the first line is, Oh comely, I will be with you when you lose your breath. And it just, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if he meant to do that. I'm sure he didn't because yeah, there, there pretty, was an unintentional happy, yeah. happy accident. I'm pretty sure I will be with you when you lose your breath. Like, I don't know if that is talking about, like, the gasp of an orgasm or dying. Or both. both. Like, honestly, I have no, no clue. But given the, like, topic of Communist Daughter, I kind of think that it's the former... Yeah, I mean, he, he mentions in that verse the a terrible scene that was doing her thing on your chest. Yeah. So it, it still definitely has some of that sexual uh, context to it. Yeah, and uh, it's... This is... Yeah, that 
this first verse is one of the things I was talking about where people like tie it specifically to a, like a line in Anne Frank's diary, which people are talking like me. I kind of just got it as you're trying to chase a feeling through sexuality, which like is a theme that happens. Like you're, you're just trying to grasp for anything, which is kind of a theme that's elaborated on later in the second verse where you're talking about, because I'm 100% with you on the second verse, like entirely. I think it is about trying to just gain a relationship through some sort of sexual act and it just being like, no, that's not how this works. There isn't such one friend that you could find here. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then with the, it makes me think, I'm pretty sure that Jeff Mangum just wants to be with Anne Frank. Like, I think, I think at least in this part of wherever he was at in his life when writing this, I'm pretty sure he wanted like an extremely deep relationship with Anne Frank. Right. Or maybe uh, he considering like he already had it because he, he's yeah, kind of yeah. through her journal kind of a thing. I think he does actually like, I think that's a better observation. Like, I think he does feel like that. And, uh, he brings in the metaphor between her diary being a mouth again, moving your mouth to pull out all your miracles aimed for me. Like, so he's saying these things are aimed directly at me. I'm reading this book and the things in it are for me. Like they're mine. You're saying them to me, not to anybody else, which goes back to, the thought of he's my only enemy i'll crush him with everything i own like maybe he's feeling some sort of jealousy because Anne frank does want somebody in her book there's i guess peter was his name i've never read her diary or anything but she's she's interested in guys and a girl in her book so he may be feeling yeah he may be feeling jealousy at that because he's just so deep in it but then it's the third verse is where it just gets weird because he's talking about like the the first line is your father made fetuses with flesh flesh licking ladies while you and your mother were asleep in the trailer park like that line is pretty self-explanatory at least on the surface the dad is out with prostitutes getting them pregnant i'm in while the family is just living in squalor. So yeah. not, not saying that a trailer park is a sh- shitty place to live. I'm just saying like the imagery brought forth in this song right. seems to indicate that it's like, well, we're just stuck here, not having what, anything. Big, while you're humble, out. humble, low, low income kind of thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're just, you're just out fucking whores. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that kind of introduces the opposite side of sexuality where before he kind of viewed it as it was always like the young couple was experiencing this pleasure together or Anne Frank is upstairs like masturbating while everything's going crazy outside. Now that the old person, the father is doing it, it's this sin. It's the sick thing that is being twisted into something terrible, but it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. This this song also has, I think, one of the seminal lines on this album in uh, just the, lat, the fourth verse. 
It's, uh, I know they buried her body with others, her sister and mother and 500 families. And will she remember me 50 years later? I wish I could save her in some sort of time machine, which is just like, it's just intense talking about mass graves. He knows like that Anne Frank, her sister and her mother were all just to be quite to the point, just thrown in a pile with no regard for the fact that they were people or they are people. And he's, it's, instantly put against and will she remember me 50 years later so i'm thinking this is some sort of like mental break that jeff is having while reading this where he's like all of these lines she was saying are other for me is she gonna remember me like down the line like if he's experiencing her life through her maybe he's in some sort of state where he thinks this is happening to him and she's the reader and it's wondering if she'll remember him or if he's thinking that maybe this album is like his diary that is going to cause him to be remembered 50 years later or just he's playing just in general because there's a lot of themes of nostalgia and living on past yourself through memory. Just it's a very weird line that I kind of don't entirely understand right now. So an alternate uh, interpretation would be kind of tying in some of the more religious things and the, the, the whole aspect of dying and going to a heaven. Maybe he's saying like, Hey, if, if I'm singing the praises of her, if I'm forming this connection with her and I'm caring for her in such an extreme way, when I die in 50 years, is she going to be like, or are we going to be friends when we're both up in heaven having this kind of this afterlife kind of a thing? Wow, I like that a lot. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man. Yeah, that's that's not even one I've seen posted anywhere, but I think that's probably the best because if if this heaven exists, is she watching him right. have this love for her? And yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. Go on, go on to the last verse, Joey. Explain oh the last God. verse to me. <laughs> Goldaline, my dear. Well, uh, okay. Goldaline, my dear. We will fold and freeze together. It's a uh, Goldaline. It's it's another song. Yeah, it's the song you were talking. About. It's the name of the song that you were talking about about Siamese sisters. That uh, in this song, the sisters are about to be eaten by some sort of beast or something. But like, uh, I don't entirely understand. Why it's in, why yeah. it's in there? Unless he's just talking, he's using Goldaline. If it's about Siamese twins, it's talking about, I mean, referencing the two-headed boy, which yeah. the two-headed boy could be a Siamese twin, or talking about he's talking about Anne Frank. She was in the camp with her sister Margot. He's just using that as like now that they're in this trying, extremely trying time, they're so close to each other that they might as well be. basically one person, yeah. Yeah, and it's, we will fold and freeze together far away from here. The sun, there is sun and spring and green forever, talking about, well, when we finally, we're going to, we're going to die together, and when we do, we're going to be in a better place. Like, I, that's kind of, I mean, I don't know how, if that's too surface for whatever's been going on. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's 50 other interpretations. (laughs) But like, it's, yeah, that's just, 
Oh man, oh, man. I, I don't think that's that's much of a stretch uh, because I mean, like I said, he he's mentioned before on the album, kind of dying and and being okay with dying because you're going to go to heaven. And mm-hmm. when he gets to heaven, he's hoping that he and Frank can have this this relationship kind of thing uh, as ghosts, perhaps. Yeah, and oh yeah, also. Before we move on, there is one. There's one last line, and it's uh, the. But now we move to feel for ourselves inside some stranger's stomach. There is an extremely dark, but I think it might be correct. Uh, I'm trying to remember what song it was on, but it's on a previous song. It's. I think it was on King of Carrot Flowers Part Three, I believe. I'm. Tr- Sometimes I get those songs all like. The first three yeah. songs they blend together into one song, but uh, it's it's kind of extremely dark, I guess. Later but on, so there's the line. It's talking about a baby being stuck inside its mother, or I will float until I learn how to swim inside my mother in a garbage can. I believe right. it's. I don't know if that's the exact lyric right now. I'm. I have too many yeah. things happening through my hand. Yeah, but it's. That's close enough. I, it I seems to. Yeah, it seems to be referencing pregnant women who were killed during the Holocaust, or just in in general, just a baby, which is also imagery that's brought in, kind of in Two Headed Boy, somebody floating in a jar, except yeah. this jar is a womb and. It's just floating there in that and the inside the mother in a garbage bin is talking about how they're just tossed like garbage into a hole. But I don't know. It's just it's just the the amount of tying things into (laughs) other lines that he has in these things, like some sort of woven net of craziness like that. Just it just. It gets me. I don't know. <laughs> like to, just... add, to add another string to that, the, he could be just re- referencing the verse earlier in the line, because so the line is, uh, "But now we move to feel for ourselves inside some stranger's stomach." Mm-hmm. Earlier in the song, he's talking about how her the, the character's father was out fucking whores and getting them pregnant. So that could oh. be another tie in there, where he's like he's feeling for the children that are being birthed without a father because their father's already in this, you know, yeah. park relationship kind of a thing. There's just too, there's too many things. So many connections, man. I wish I could just, uh, talk to Mr. Mangum, but you know, you know, I, I can't cause he doesn't know me. No, oh, I, I, I thought you were going to say that cause he died and he was now a ghost. Oh, no, nope, he's not a ghost, but uh, the ghost of his memory will live on inside of me forever. That sounds dirty. Yeah, it it, it is. It but, is. I mean, this album sounds dirty. So, speaking so, of dirty sounding songs and also ghosts, track nine is Ghost, and boy, it's got some fuzzy ass bass. <laughs> it's just this, like <laughs> this song. I'll it's go fuzzy. ahead. And, I'll go ahead and say it. This was my favorite song before I got rid of favorites okay. i guess it it could have been a tie between o comely and ghost but it's really only because of a specific part of the song it was and it's kind of something that like 
I've talked about previously, which, I mean, like you said, this, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the music first because it wasn't music related, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I just really like the horns, the fuzzy bass, the DDDs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, he does that a lot throughout this album. Mm-hmm. But in this song, man, they're just super great. <laughs> There's something else. Yeah, it's got this like building energy throughout that kind of leads to an explosion at the end with the what you call the singing saw, which yeah. is, is kind of a cool climax of the song. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just great, and uh, man, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I'm gonna let I want you to talk about any lyrical stuff you have to do because <laughs> I don't I don't know how long I'm gonna be talking about it, but. Yeah. It, I'm going to try to make it not that long. But. I'm going to keep mine short. I didn't have a lot of notes for this one anyway. It seemed to be about the ghost of Anne Frank inhabiting someone. It, it was not super clear, but it seemed like he was implying that it was someone that the singer loved. Like he had a loved one that he was in a relationship with and he, and the ghost of Anne Frank was inhabiting this person. Maybe that's him projecting, pretending that his, his uh, partner is Anne Frank kind of a thing without them knowing about it, which is kind of fucked up. But uh, the chorus is about accepting death as a good thing, not to be afraid of, kind of, again, that theme that's been talked on. And then the second verse is less specific to Anne Frank and is about girls killing themselves by jumping off buildings in New York City back in the day. I, I know there were a lot of, like, factory fires and shit that people would just end up jumping out of windows and shit, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And the whole song just kind of has that, that feeling of accepting death for what it is and not, not fearing it. But uh, I'm sure you have a lot more to say. Well, it's. I'll try to keep it as short as I possibly can. I mean, we're and, already almost at an hour and a half, so oh just, just take as long as you need. Well, okay, uh, but yeah, I do. I've read that what he said about the song is that the go it started because he thought that like his recording studio or his apartment was haunted, and he was talking to the ghost, and he. But then he was like realizing that the ghost was like just something that was inside of him. And not like an outside force, I guess. Right. So that was where the ghost, ghost, I know you live within me part came from. But uh, yeah, so it starts off, the first verse references Anne Frank and talking, I mean, just the whole album has been referencing Anne Frank, referencing the time of World War II, referencing that and just talking about kind of living vicariously through her, experiencing what maybe she must have been thinking, what kind of just how crazy and absolutely just insane it is that there were people that had to live thinking the things that she thought, much less teenagers or children that had to live thinking the things that she thought. And I guess going beyond empathy and just him actually stepping in into her mind through her diary, like, like he's just gotten an obsession yeah, quite he's, frankly, he's gotten very intimately involved in her life. Yeah, like he's just extremely into her life. So, but yeah, it's talking about her in the f- first verse, and it ends. I mean, it has the chorus right after that first verse talking about how she's no longer afraid to die. She's she to watch the morning paper blow into a hole where no one can escape. Kind of makes me think about I don't know. The morning paper makes me think of the news obviously right. and the news is just reporting on things that happen which if something happened to you the day before it gets reported on and then what do you do you have a headline that has your name in it or whatever and you can save it and it's a it's just another example 
of the way that events are recorded and continue to go on forever as long as those newspapers are there. So it's another way of immortality through memory, through print, through a medium of some sort. And uh, maybe that's why she's not afraid of death is because she knows she'll, she'll, she knows she'll go on, live on forever through something like that. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have a counterpoint necessarily per se, but in my mind, I mean, the quote is to watch the morning paper blow into a hole where no one can escape kind of gives me the opposite feeling mm-hmm. of what you were just explaining in that like, yeah, it's being reported, but nobody's actually going to remember because it's going to get blown into a hole somewhere and no one's ever going to see it. No one's ever going to remember that it happened. So maybe it's a wider context. I don't have a solution to hand, but maybe it's a wider context of like how all of these fucked up things happen and people just seem to forget or, or they're not as upset about them as they should be because it just happens so fucking often. That could be that 100% could be, especially with the, the lyrics earlier i at this point i can't even remember what song it was on just because everything is blending together but we're we're talking about him after he dies whenever he's young standing in heaven i think it was in the airplane over the over the sea but whenever they're standing up in the clouds looking down at the world laughing out loud just just thinking about their life and just knowing that there's an afterlife not worrying about it and like you said maybe just the fact that it's just all going to end and it doesn't matter like is yeah i don't i don't know i don't know but then to make reference to the portal that is Anne frank's diary and all this he he does relate her to the stories of apparently what he's talking about in whenever he's talking about the woman jumping off the apartment building in new york city is like landlords would burn apartment buildings with tenants in them to like collect insurance or something back in like the eighties. And he was just deeply affected by one time when he heard about this, because I actually have heard a live record or a few live recordings where he plays this song. And right before this verse comes on, he says something to the effects of, and this is a true story right before he talks about this. But so I've just looked into it and that's, seems to be what he was referencing whenever he wrote this but it just I like how he once again bridges the gap between the past and the present which in my mind is through the morning paper not Anne Frank's diary this time it's like the paper is something that is printed every day it's always and even if it is going into a hole somewhere and nobody's reading it it's still being printed it's being reported on it's it's a medium that is continuous so i don't know it's just ever present i guess yeah for now we'll, we'll see if the newspaper <laughs> yeah. probably dying but, yeah you know but it wasn't in 1998 it sure wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it's insane Wait. 1998 just, just yeah. t- total sidebar that was 22 years ago really mm-hmm. that's uh Fucking, that's we're, pretty- we're growing growing people pretty nuts i'm an old guy now even though i guess i shouldn't say that but yeah there there are older people but we are also older than a lot of other people so there we go whatever that's what i'll say (laughs) but i I, as far as far as that song goes i i i'm just gonna stop talking well (laughs) you're just trying to make me do the segue and there's not really one i can make because the next track's untitled 
At least officially yeah. it's untitled. Yeah, it is officially untitled. People have come up with names for it, but it is officially untitled. So. Well, for, so from what I saw on Genius, at least, is that there have been like tour posters or, or other marketing material for mm-hmm. this album that have a song title for it. Yeah. So it, it's just, I don't know. It's untitled on my music service, uh, which is YouTube Music. It's untitled in a lot of places, but there, there may be an unofficial title, I guess. Yeah, unless there was other editions of this album that went out with the title on it, the main edition printing of this album had the track listed as untitled. So, yep, it's another another instrumental track for one, and it it blends in. I mentioned that at the beginning of the last track, which seems so long ago because we talked so long <laughs> about the lyrics, that the, the whole song just kind of builds musically and it has this kind of explosion at the end with the singing saw that blends into the next track, track 10, which is untitled where it, it kind of has this fallout of the explosion from the prior track. And then it kind of comes in and it's just like a fun jam track. It's, it's a yeah. musical track. It's got some cool organs. It's got a fun drum beat. It's got some fucking bagpipes, which is oh, kind yeah. of an interesting tie in. I think in that bagpipes, at least in certain areas are played at like funeral marches and stuff, kind of reiterating mm-hmm. this whole death as a celebration uh, motif that's been going on through the album. Yeah, I definitely get the celebration of death aspect. Like, I don't know. I, I for one, love the bagpipes because yeah. <laughs> they're just screaming throughout the song. Like, whoever's playing these bagpipes is going nuts on them. They're having a fun time. Unless there's probably some person out there who's super good at bagpipes. It's like, actually, that's just how you play the bagpipes. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's just bagpiping, bro. <laughs> but if it is, I love bagpipes. I've never heard a bagpipe I don't like, especially in this <laughs> song. But just, yeah, with it coming off of the heels of Ghost, where it's talking about remembrance through death or just acceptance of death and not being afraid of it, it very much feels like, uh, okay, the life is complete, but let's let's celebrate it. Let's connect it to the future through, let's re- through remembrance. Let's keep the memory alive, even though the right. person is not anymore keep those newspaper clippings perhaps yeah exactly you find them in that hole that nobody goes through and <laughs> just cut them out yeah that's about all I, I got for this track um so unless you have anything else to add no i don't we, we, will, we will conclude this album and the story perhaps of two-headed boy in what is aptly named two-headed boy part two <laughs> <sighs> this we're, song we're at the end how, how do you feel? You, you seem like you have strong feelings towards the first part. I'm sure you have stronger feelings towards the second part. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say probably the most intense statement of my life, but this is absolutely, without a doubt, <laughs> the best end track of an album I have ever heard in my life. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah, it, it's got musically, it's got some weird, creepy scents that come in. And there's some weird brass effects giving it this almost off putting intro. Yeah. And then the acoustic and vocals come in again, and it's just, again, like, anytime it's just him and his guitar, I fucking love it. I like his voice a whole lot on this track, specifically. It's just, it, it I love it. I love it. Man, I love it. it's, yeah, me too. Me too. It's, <laughs> I, I feel that entirely, but, it, oh my god, it's... I, I need to say other things other than just like, oh my god. <laughs> Look, honestly, if you've made it through this episode thus far and haven't listened to the album somehow, go listen to the album. You'll you'll agree with us, and if you don't agree with us, let us know. I'll fight you in the comments. 
you know, but but we can get to that. You could listen to this whole album like three times in the amount of time that we <laughs> take. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we've been rambling on for a while, but At we're not done yet. Yeah, we're going to keep yet. rambling. Almost there, though. Almost. Lyrically, Probably. this one, it, it kind of tied some things together for me, but also made some things a little bit less clear in doing so. Um, verse one to me, it seemed like he was asking his, his father to remember how he felt when the singer was born and how the singer wants to feel the same thing of maybe having his own kid mm-hmm. or something. Verse two, it wasn't super clear. Uh, he makes, uh, a, he ties back to Anne Frank by talking about mm-hmm. wings in her spine, which was mentioned in ghost, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he's talking about her, love to be a brother with a brother of mine, how he'd love to find your tongue in his teeth. So it, it kind of like seems like he's trying to hook her up with his brother, which maybe if he's a two headed boy, he's just really like <laughs> saying, Hey, like maybe, maybe go out with him at least. And then like, I'll, I'll be able to vicariously feel it because we're the same person kind of, kind of a dealio, um, which is weird as hell, but that's kind of tying in the two headed boy thing and, and to the Anne Frank arc as well. Yeah, there's a bridge where it, he seems to be dreaming that Anne is alive, and and making out with him and, and having that close relationship with him. Verse three implies that he and his brother were conjoined, which again makes sense for the whole two-headed boy angle instead of him being her a hermaphrodite, maybe. But it could also be a double meaning of kind of just having that weird, weird mutation kind of thing going on, um, which kind of. Well, I'll, I'll save that to the end. The bridge brings back the theme of heaven being the afterlife kind of a thing. And then in the outro, it refers to the scientists that gave him parts to make a radio, to play the songs that he played for his lover when she died kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not really clear to me if his lover was another experiment or, or someone else being experimented on, or if it was the scientist that was helping him, you know, make his time a little bit easier or not. There's a whole lot going on. And this is the kind of thing I was wanting to talk about is that he ties in and, and blends and mashes together so many different characters and so many different themes from different songs on this album, different songs off this album, different ideas he's had just in general. Like apparently there's a lot of things that he had that were not on this album that he has kind of mashed in here. And I, that gives it that kind of convoluted uncertainty that I've, yeah. that I've been feeling. Yeah, he has like such a huge web of songs that didn't make it on albums that he wrote that made it onto like EPs that only got released off of like they sold a few hundred copies to people and whatever. Like there's just so many references in this that even if you have all the references, it's just so nuts to try to put together that it's just like does it you kind of have to kind of look read between the lines and just be like, what could this possibly mean? And try to, I don't yeah. know, piece it together for yourself, which I kind of like, but I could definitely see how it would put some people off of it. Yeah. It's not necessarily off putting. It's just like there, it requires a whole lot more thought and interpretation and, and research knowing him and what he's done yeah. to kind of get the full context. I will say though, the song, like, as I kind of went through the verses, maybe maybe it wasn't super clear, but it starts with him talking about birth and ends with him talking about death mm-hmm. in, in such a way, which is kind of summing up the, the entire album 
thus far, like the rest of the album, you know, he talks about the two-headed boy. He talks about Anne Frank. He talks about being born or being young. And then he talks about death. And this song just kind of cohesively kind of runs through all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll go over some of the lyrics then. Hit me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have too much different than you other than, I don't know. Okay. I'll just, just go I'll through just, it. I'll just do it. Yeah. Okay. Verse one. The first line, Daddy, please hear the song that I sing. In your heart, there's a spark that just screams. So, if we go back to King of Carrot Flowers, parts one through three, the father is the one who is kind of portrayed as the victim in his relationship. The mother is just beaten. An alcoholic and abusive. Yeah, and he's looking for a way out. Like, he is actively trying, he's wanting to kill himself, but just can't find the the gall to do it there's yes. a spark in his heart that is just screaming but now his kid is coming to him just wanting him to hear this song trying to give him any reason to carry on maybe help try to do something to get him out of the situation just anything and for a lover to bring a child to your chest that could lay as you sleep and all and love all you have left like your body like your boy used to be sorry i'm reading instead of remembering right now yeah. because but it's just this line hits extremely powerfully because he's trying to get the dead to remember how things used to be, like how it fe- how it feels to have a child, how it feels to this. But there's so many themes of immortality through outside forces that to bring it all in with a child, the greatest example of that, like, and nostalgia remembering back to the past remembering your past they're like i don't know yeah it's 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 explaining his legacy past present and future kind of a thing yeah and you can live vicariously through your children like if you can help foster your children have similar good experiences that you did like okay you did something extremely fun when you were a kid maybe you went on a trip somewhere you can take your kid on that same trip and get a glimpse of the feeling of experience, exploration, and wonder through a kid. Like, it not all, it doesn't always have to be the young children are the ones experiencing love and the adults or the elders are the ones causing all this harm and pain. It can be each other helping them out. The parent can, the older generation can help the younger generation to experience all these things that they know are fun. The younger generation can help the older generation remember what that felt like to be in that position, even though the world has made them cold and bitter and made them, I don't know, just, it's just a, it's a good feeling. One that I get to experience kind of firsthand now, which is another thing. Like whenever I heard this song, whenever I was about to have a daughter, it kind of just hit an extra layer for me. Right. So, but that's verse one. <laughs> verse two. But verse verse two, I honestly think it's, there's just a lot of references to other songs. Like he's got, like you said, the, the Wings reference is a reference to Ghost. He, I think he's referencing uh, just... A, bro- a brother in the sense of maybe two-headed boy is the a brother or maybe he considers each of the heads to be a brother I, i'm not 100 percent sure like how right. he'd love to find your tongue in his teeth i don't know if he's referencing the fact that 
he's referencing sexuality. I don't know if he's referencing the fact that Anne Frank's diary is portrayed as a mouth in other songs and the teeth may be the words, like he's wanting to speak the words through his own mouth, maybe. I'm... I... I, I I'm honestly... Like, you're, not, you're not stretching too far. Yeah, like, that's the thing. There's so many times where I'm like, am I stretching too far? And then I remember the album I'm talking about, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I guess not. But, so... Then it hits into the bridge, which, I don't know. And in my dreams, you're alive and you're crying as your mouth moves in mine, soft and sweet. So the mouth, once again, is Anne Frank's diary. It is moving in his own mouth. He feels as though he's experienced her. He is speaking at the same time she is speaking in her diary. He is experiencing her life through that diary. And he is in his, he is so much so that he's dreaming that she's alive and crying for i mean any number of reasons there are like literally <laughs> there's so many reasons that she could be yeah. crying just in this album alone forgetting about even what she was actually experiencing but just for the reasons that he's talked about in this album but it's oh man and then yeah, verse three trying to comfort her in those times yeah yeah verse three is one that i Originally had some other thoughts on, but after doing some research, apparently the brother of someone very close to Jeff committed suicide around the time he was, like, writing this song. Oh. And that is another thing. Like, I don't... He was... It hit him where, I mean, it's a pretty graphic line. (laughs) And you left with your head filled with flames, and you watched as your brains fell out through your teeth, pushed the pieces in place. So, like... I don't know if the teeth not only are literal teeth of a person who has committed suicide, but also referencing the diary, but I don't, and he's trying yeah. to push the pieces back into place of his life of the actual physical body of this person who I'm presuming died, committed suicide from a gunshot wound to the face. Right. Like I don't, but he's also talking about make your push, pushing the teeth, back into place to make the smile sweet to see so don't you take this away i'm still wanting your my face on your cheek like he's longing for some sort of he's wanting to push everything back to the way it was even though it can't be just so he can feel this sort of intimacy with this person which i mean is an it's an emotion that Anne frank in her diary was talking about wanting to be able to be intimate with somebody just Mm -hmm. feel something with somebody else and just that, I mean, it's a theme that's just been talked about through this whole album. Right. Oh, man. And then and then the <laughs> second then the second bridge. Yep. Oh, my We're God. There. And when we break, we'll wait for a miracle. This, God is a place where some holy spectacle, like this bridge, this bridge, man, this, this fucking <laughs> bridge. So, and when we break, that always, to me, when we break from reality, when we die, we're waiting for this miracle to happen. We're waiting for heaven. We're waiting something because God is a place where some holy spectacle lies. Like a yeah. spectacle you think of like, a, I don't know. I think of like a sideshow attraction, like some sort of attraction, like a spec, like, Oh, look at that thing yeah, over there. To be wild by. Yeah. And you're just waiting for it. And that must've been how people felt like if he's experiencing through them, if this is, if he's experiencing life through her eyes and the experiences that he's had with religion previously are not great, one might start to wonder 
how could there be a God? How could there be this? Is God just some idea that people are having to help make themselves feel better? Is God real? Is, is any of this real? And like questioning it. And maybe it's all just a spectacle. Maybe it's all just a smoke and mirrors show that's meant to wow you until you're actually there to experiencing it, experience it. And that is almost reiterated in the second line where it comes back when we break, we'll wait for our miracle. God is a place you will wait for the rest of your life. Like you're just going to be, you're going to be waiting there. And if we're talking about for the rest of your life and they're already dead, we're talking about previously, uh, what was it, Holland, 1945, whenever he talks about burying Anne Frank being buried alive in the sense that she still had such a life to live, where she, I mean, she was essentially still alive and she's living through her diary. She's always going to be alive as long as there's people out there willing to read her story or right. her story is still being printed. So she is still alive and she is waiting for some sort of answer for the rest of her life, which will be forever because she will live on through all of these stories and books yeah or it could be maybe less it it could be just like a a poor arrangement of words maybe not a poor arrangement but uh one that fit better and he's saying that you will be waiting for the rest of your life not necessarily for Anne frank but for everyone is just waiting the rest of their life to die and, that's and true. See, get to it, kid to this heaven if it exists, and that's all they're going to be waiting for, which is kind of a dark, maybe almost suicidal kind of way of looking at things. But like, that's kind of it's yeah. kind of like I, I don't want to yeah fuck it I don't I don't care if I offend uh, offend any religious <laughs> people, but like it, it's there's the spectacle like you mentioned you were raised in a very Catholic way, and you had this idea of God, and I feel like it's not a far stretch to say that a lot of older people that find religion later in life or that cling to that are just kind of like waiting to die because they've, they've clung to the idea of this afterlife that has been painted for them mm-hmm. as, as being so like perfect and they're not going to kill themselves. Maybe like the father was, was too quote unquote afraid that makes it sound bad. It's yeah. a good thing to be afraid of killing yourself, yeah. but uh, may, maybe they're just like, well, I'm just going to live out the rest of my days as, as boringly as possible because it, it, at the end, it's not going to matter. I'm going to die and I'm going to be in a better place. Kind of. A yeah. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And dying and being in a better place is definitely something that comes through occasionally, like previously in this album, like the, just the thought that, Oh yeah, well, whenever it ends, we're going to be like, I'm not afraid to die. Cause whenever I die, it'll be, I'll be in a better place or I'll be remembered right. or I'll, like whatever but then this kind of paints a much darker picture of that like you said like and i mean since it's already out there yeah why not i'll i'll hop on the train too <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to sit here and bash religion or anything but it's like the way that this kind of paints it is like it could be i don't want to say a cop out but like more like a coping mechanism right. for dying like the people are clinging to the thought of this because they can't handle the thought, the thought of, of not being anything afterwards. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And not like I don't know. Maybe that sounds too harsh and cold, but like I no, think. I mean, I mean, the like, unknown is scary. I think maybe maybe yeah. this isn't a popular opinion, but I think that's like what faith is all about. Is is 
not necessarily a distraction from a potential reality, but it, it's like you said, a coping me- mechanism. It, it's something that like it'll give you comfort when you die, which is arguably the scariest part of your life is is dying and not really knowing what's going to happen after you die yeah and i mean like yeah everybody has a different way of like if if that's which i hate to say it this way but like if that's something that you're extremely afraid of which completely justified if it is (laughs) like there may not be there may literally just not be another way for you to comprehend that thought other than whatever you choose to believe in, whatever you choose to do, like, however you do it, do it, like, yeah. be- believe in it. But, like, just in this situation, that seems to be the picture that he's painting where it's like, well, we're wait- we're here and we're waiting now and we're just going to wait forever and forever. And, okay, there's there's nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, whether, whether that's just in ex- life before you die or after you die and find nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but then I'll get the outro, two-headed boy, comes back. This <laughs> now I think that Jeff is, or yeah, I think two-headed boy is a metaphor for Jeff in the real world, who one head is Jeff who is rooted in reality, and one is him who is living through the diary of Anne Frank, and she is all you could need is explicitly just talking about Anne Frank is who she, who he needs. And I don't, I don't know. And, but don't hate her when she gets up to leave is him closing the book. I can see that. And not reading it anymore. And just the way this song ends, the way this album (laughs) ends, he just puts down his guitar and you can hear him walk out of the studio. Yeah. It says, don't hate her when she gets up to leave. And then he gets up to leave. Yep which is it, it's it's nice i enjoy hearing those little like studio snippets of whatever's happening through like you mentioned on the other on Okumle, where someone just is just ecstatic and impressed and awed that he did it and won't take just being able to hear that kind of adds to the, the realness of the album yeah that kind of a joy oh my god jesus man, man we did it <laughs> we, we got through this album we're we're get, we're closing in on the two hour mark. Oh my god! It's gonna Sorry, be everybody. It's gonna be a beast to edit, <laughs> but it'll happen. Sorry, uh, Jeremy. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> overall, I might just just upload this with no editing at just all and just do say, deal with it. But uh, overall, I, I think I I do really love this album. The lyrics took a whole lot more time to analyze and, <laughs> and for us to discuss than I anticipated, which is not great for me who procrastinates and wastes the last minute to get my notes together. But that's that's a me problem more than the album problem. Uh, As mentioned, it seems like he has this history of blending a lot of different story strings together so that there's not necessarily a clear storyline on this album. Um, But it is an interesting concept of having all of these different like moving parts that are all also kind of relating to the same thing. Uh, I really, really, yeah. really like the music on this album, and we'll definitely listen to it more in the future. Uh, probably not paying as much uh, attention to the lyrics, although now that it's all been kind of explained, I probably won't be able to put it out. But <sighs> I, I can 100% confidently say that this album is a masterpiece, regardless of how <sighs> I feel about the lyrics. And if it makes sense, it's just, it's a good listen. I will be listening to this album more. That is awesome to hear. This is... 
this is definitely I would also join you in saying that this album is a masterpiece. It is a freak of nature, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> it it is a two headed boy. It is a two headed boy. It's like I hate saying I hate confidently declaring anything as my favorite anything. But <laughs> most of most of the time this is my favorite album, I'd say. Interesting. So so it's all it's all downhill. No matter what album we, we talk about next, it's it's not gonna live up to the expectations. Now now we've we've peaked for you and it's just it's nothing's gonna compare. No, see, now begins the excitement because I get to find my favorite favorite album. Your your new favorite, the next favorite new, album. Yeah. Uh, I, I it's yeah, it's just it's I don't, I don't know. It's in a category of its own, honestly. Like I have so yeah. many so many other albums that I love, but this one's yeah, just honestly, way, like, way up there. The the three albums leading up to this just they pale in comparison easily <laughs> yeah. to this album. This album is fantastic. Uh, I was okay with the other albums that that we went through, but this one is just like it's it's in a league of its own i think it's fantastic well that is awesome it is and i'm excited that we we got to go on this journey <laughs> together and share it with you guys listening uh so hopefully you guys had a similar experience if you guys really love this album after having never heard of it or hearing it before like let us know if if you're an experienced veteran and want to correct us on the, the interpretation <laughs> of these lyrics feel free to do so I imagine that's the only kind of person that would listen through two hours of us talking about this album is someone waiting yeah. to correct us for all of these things because they know better. But uh, I don't care. Leave us comments. I'll fucking yell at you and tell you that you're full of shit and I'm right and this song's really about some mutant created in a lab with lasers <laughs> and, and shit. I don't know. I'll die on any hill. <laughs> yeah, please. As long as we're dying on the hill with multiple views because uh, <laughs> exactly. a cult of rabid fans came and watched <laughs> listened to our podcast. Yeah, fuck it. I'll take it. I'll take any 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 glorious death I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next week though, we're gonna get back into our regular alternation of uh I'm gonna recommend an album that Joey will recommend an album. The album I'm recommending next week and the album that we will be listening to this week to discuss next week is, uh, as mentioned earlier, I kind of spoiled, is Jose Gonzalez's first album, Veneer. It's uh, from 2003. It's very folksy. It's, it's, a, it's a little rocky, but it's definitely not to the extent of any of the albums that we just did. It's definitely more of a folk album. Um, but it's, it's mostly just, you know, guitar and vocals. And I really like the dude's voice. I really like the dude's guitar, and I think Joey's going to like it. This, this was a natural next step to me to kind of get us back into our normal routine. And then after that, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll go and just go and to do some metal or some rap or some entirely unrelated stuff. We'll see. I've been, with how comfortable I got in this album, like how comfortable I am in this album, I was doing some experimenting with my sonic palette this week, so I have a bunch of other genres that I've been exploring okay. to maybe for future updates. Although I am extremely excited for <clears throat> for this next album because I know it's somebody that you like, and it's tangentially related to Alexi Murdoch, which I ended up. I mean, I've listened to that album a, a little bit since we played it, right. but it was it was an album that I liked, and if this guy's better than that then that's awesome i love folk music so yeah i don't, I don't want to say better i'll say different i will different. say i prefer him more 
well there but, we go uh, you know that's, that's how music is hopefully you, you prefer it more if not that's cool I still love Jose Gonzalez uh, he has three albums I think this is his first one uh, which is a good starting point for his, his discography as we kind of usually do anyway but uh, as mentioned, if you guys want to yell at us about this album, if you guys love Jose Gonzalez and want to talk to us before next week about it, hit us up. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the social media stuffs. Uh, we're on a bunch of platforms. We're on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, soon to be Amazon Podcast. Still, uh, I think we're set up. For, I'm not sure when that launches, but we'll let you guys know when we are there. Uh, I think that's everything. Do you have this? Was a long episode. We're just gonna take a take a deep breath here. Oh, mm. oh my good. god! This All is right. this was so cathartic. Oh it my was. god! I I this tension has been in my body for a full week, and it's nice to finally get it out and move on with my life in an entirely new life because that album is pretty impressive. <laughs> Until then, though. Oh. And until we, we, we meet again, dear listeners, of which there are just dozens of hundreds <laughs> of thousands of uh, <laughs> billions, <laughs> stay in our feedback loop.